2: Alan Parker said, sometimes, with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Wendy Mitchell. Hello, Wendy.
3: Hello, Stuart.
2: Wendy, this is, uh, for, the, for the listener, this, this won't be strange, because it's just two people talking, but it is strange to me, as uh, Wendy's actually in the room with me and not at the end of a Skype, so welcome.
3: Thank you, Stuart. Great to be here amongst your vinyl collection.
2: Indeed, indeed. You're in the listening corner, as yes. I like to call it. Um, what? How would you uh, describe yourself in terms of uh, what your involvement is with film?
3: That's a complicated question these days. Um, I have what I now like to call a portfolio career. Okay. It's a very hip thing to have. Yeah. Uh, it means I'm freelance and I do lots of stuff. I used to be the editor of Screen International. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went to a lot of film festivals on behalf of Screen as a journalist. Um, Before even working at Screen, I used to work at IndieWire when I was back in New York. So Mm -hmm. I went to a lot of festivals for them. So I still do some journalism. I'm a contributing editor at Screen. I now work directly with a few film festivals themselves. So I'm a scout for the San Sebastian Film Festival. The Zurich Film Festival. I help out with some hosting of talks and maybe organizing some speakers at their summit, things like that. I'm putting together a conference day this year for CPH Docs in Copenhagen and work a bit with the Gothenburg Film Festival as well, and a little bit with other industry events like Connext uh, in Ghent.
2: Do you ever get time to stay at home at all? Not yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, it's ver- I'm very grateful that you've found time um. to come on the podcast and to talk about, in this instance, uh, festival strategies. Yes. Uh, I think with, your, with what you described, with your journalist background, and now with definitely with your hands-on involvement, never mind just involvement and going to them. Yes. Uh, oh, and
3: one oth- to interrupt, one other thing to mention is for the past four years, I had been working at the British Council, where my specific job was to help British films get into... International film festivals. Okay. So I recently stepped down from that, uh, but it's a great program that they run. I would really recommend uh, British filmmakers or people who've made British co productions can check that out Mm film.britishcouncil.org. And you can find out how to sign up for their mailing list to find out which festival programmers are coming to London and when and how to show your films. And, you know, they show anything from something made in your basement up to, you know, a big Mike Lee film or something to these programmers. So Um, open to everyone.
2: So I guess, I mean, I guess the the thing for us to sort of preface this with is that I guess film festivals, there's no magic bullet to this, is there?
3: No. You would hope that the magic bullet is making a great film. Mm -hmm. To be a downer from uh, question one, Um, even making a great film is not enough sometimes. There are some great films that fall through the cracks. Um, We've all seen many examples. But I think... um, if you do have a great film, it will find a home mm. at some festival or with an audience. And my my
2: favourite of the last year was hearing about Tigers Are Not Afraid that couldn't get arrested in its original out mm. to film festivals. And then Fantastic Fest, I think it was, got its world premiere, which mm. it's a genre film to a degree, but it's yeah. also a brilliant drama mm. you know it's in in the in the sort of pan's labyrinth realm
3: yeah and um, well another example of that would um and i think they're okay with me talking a little bit about this is the film caliber mm. you know arguably now seen as one of the most exciting debuts certainly <laughs> of british film this year yeah. really excellent film really hit with audiences and with critics great performances great directing great script um you know beta cinema was selling it so it's got a great sales company behind it uh, you know, we at British Council showed it to a few festivals who just didn't necessarily bite on it. And they never even said why. That's the frustrating thing. Mm. Um, but obviously, uh, Mark Adams uh, and Diane at Edinburgh did program the film. It went there, had a great response, won the Michael Powell Award, and they had timed it so the Netflix launch of the film was the day after they won the Michael Powell Award. You know, Stephen King tweeted how much he loved it. I mean, it's been one of a huge hit on Netflix. Yeah, 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 And I think that also goes to show, like, oh, so if you've gotten rejected from a few A festivals, doesn't mean your film is bad. Mm. It's, you know, there's just too many films being made for people to To so the point, that I think, yeah. is
2: Calib- Calibre's just had its cinema release having been yeah. released on ca- on Netflix, Netflix before, which is an interesting trend in of itself, yeah. isn't it?
4: Yeah,
2: for sure. So with all that in mind, Wendy... What do the inexperienced filmmaker that's listening to this podcast mm-hmm. get so wrong about film festivals in, in the first instance? What are the kind of headline grabbers for you that people follow over themselves?
3: Yeah, I think there's some mistakes. Um, I mean, I'll go ahead and say this fact right out there. 90% of British films should not be applying for Cannes, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, look, this year, even Mike Lee didn't get into Cannes, you know? Um, And I think there was one year we heard that two or 300 British features had applied for the main competition in Cannes. Mm -hmm. I would say about 10 of those would have been of real interest to be seen by the programmers. Um, And I think that year maybe one got through or none, none of them were selected. Um, So I think there is a a tendency, not just in the UK, but across the world to think, I'm a filmmaker, I'm making a great statement, I'm going to take it to Cannes Mm. and Cannes should it's just not a realistic dream, even if you've got a fantastic film. So I think, mm. first of all, don't just put your, all your eggs in one basket for Cannes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, going hand in hand with that is don't rush. I mean, some filmmakers will think, oh, I need to do three more months of post in my film. But I'm going to send it in today because that's when the deadline is for this certain festival. You know, I think you're much better off waiting till your film is further along down the line. I mean, one example, we had a documentary that wanted to show to Sundance a year or two ago. Um, The documentary was interspersed with some really interesting animations, but they hadn't done the animations yet. And the Sundance programmer was like, why in the world are you showing me this this early? Like, you can't tell what this film is going to be. And so you're just sort of annoying the programmer showing it too early. You can wait for Sundance next year when it's actually done. Mm. Or more likely than that, you know, there are other film festivals out there. So you don't get into Sundance, you're not ready for Sundance, submit to South by Southwest, submit to Edinburgh, submit to London Film Festival.
2: So in, with that in mind then, with, with, with not rushing, mm. if, if, if not really applying for the, or not identifying what your film is, is a basic mm. error that people make to start with, what should, you start thinking about in terms of your strategy and when should you start thinking about it?
3: I think you should start thinking about it in pre-production, really, initially. You're not mm-hmm. going to set everything in stone in pre-production. Right. Your film is going to change over the course of that production, especially with something that might be, you know, have a little bit of genre element and a bit of drama. Sometimes it'll end up being more genre than you thought, or sometimes it'll end up being more drama than you thought. And that might influence which festival you're going to submit to. So, but I think you could start to have a sort of, what what films are sort of comps, um, for what we're making? Is it a film like comparable, Sightseers? Yeah, comparable films. Um is it a film like Ben Wheatley's sightseers? You know, that was a rare genre film that did get into Cannes Director's Fortnite. Um if it's a, a children's film, don't mm. submit that to Can. You know, you should also just be wary that, you know, even something like Toronto only shows a handful of kids' films now because they have a Children's Film Festival mm. later in the year
2: in Toronto. Just thinking about that point about not applying for canon, obviously mm. with that you can sort of extend it to the other kind of A-listers like mm. Berlin Alley and, and Venice mm. and, and stuff. Um, is, is the problem more about the fact that there aren't that many surprises in terms of what the programme is going to select? So therefore, it's not so much say that they presuppose what they're going to exhibit because obviously that would be a tad foolish, but mm. I'm guessing there's a relationship between filmmakers that festivals are interested in anyway yeah you know ken loach has not been at Cannes by accident has yes. he um so the expectation of your film never mind will will they like it mm. or not is more important i imagine
3: yeah i mean i think especially with Cannes, which is the it, it, the sort of extreme example you know if you've got a french sales company on board your film can's going to take a special look at it mm-hmm. it's just the way the world works mm. um so if you really think you've got a film that has a shot at Cannes, you might want to get a French sales company on it. Um, yeah, but it's uh, there's a network of, you know, if Film 4 is backing your film or the BFI is backing your film, they have relationships with some of these festivals. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when they sit down with Kerry Craddock from Toronto in Cannes, the BFI will have a meeting and say, oh, these are the ones we're most excited about or we think that are most exciting for you, a good fit for you. So... Yeah, all that, it does matter who you know and who's sort of maybe championing your film behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But having said that, every programmer out there would roll over to be able to pluck a gem out of nowhere and sort of, it's not on anybody's radar and they just find a brilliant film that they love and that is so amazing.
2: So, when the Home for happen. the Next Corsese or Lynn Ramsey is always on.
3: Yes. Or, you know, even a smaller documentary like uh, The Moo Man at okay. Sundance. That came out of sort of blind submission. That film didn't have any sort of big backers or public money. And they just loved the film mm. and showed it and it did so well. You know, it's. They love to discover new talent and, yeah, put, be able to sort of help that new talent break into that world of the Ken Loaches and the Lynn Ramseys. So,
2: for, so for, for the the confident filmmaker that may well think they're they are appeasing cineast tastes and all their friends are saying they're the next, you know, Goddard, um, that's not necessarily a, always a good sign that everyone's raving about it. So where where outside of your circle of sort of friends and stuff should you be seeking advice before? Is, there, is, there, is that an obvious strategy to take, Is to get advice from other other third parties and i think
3: that it's a really smart idea because you know i've had had people who've made you know unwatchable films say oh my friends think it's better than andrew haig you know i'm here to tell you i saw five minutes of it and it's not they're being nice friends Mm. um but they're not being honest or they're just really bad judges of taste you know could be just (laughs) they like bad films your friends um It's Yeah, you definitely should show it to maybe friends of friends Mm. who aren't going to feel bad giving you honest feedback. I mean, I think also showing it to people in the industry that you might know or just, you know, if you're a writer, show it to another screenwriter, you know, show it to other director friends. Nobody really likes to give bad feedback, but maybe somebody will be honest with you. Or, you know, one way to do it is not to say, do you think this film is good or bad, but where do you see this film? You know, what kind of festival would you think I should go for mm. show it to some programmers if you can, and yeah. try to get some feedback. Show it, um, you know. There's consultants out there that will look at films. Mm. There are, I you mean, know, sales agents, sales now companies have would be the have festival, big one.
2: Few of them now have festival dedicated festival sales agents, don't Where Whereas yeah. their whole remit is the festival circuit. Because yeah. I guess for independent film now, a festival is a is a perfect platform for for your film to get noticed as no. much as any marketing budget is. Oh,
3: for sure. And it's a great launchpad, and they can sort of make careers and mm. make the life of a film much different. And I think you know, just showing your film to sales agents at the first level, I mean, just, you know, you submit your film, are you taking this on? Or, you know, you'll get some feedback that way. With the, Not everybody has time to give bespoke feedback to every submission they get, and some don't take sort of open submissions of links and things. But if you do get a sales agent to watch it, to gauge their interest in taking it on they might give you some very honest feedback about oh this isn't a can film but it's an LFF film mm. you know they they know those programmers and the selections quite well too So it sounds it
2: sounds like what you're saying is it's it, it sort of it
4: it,
2: it it's going to benefit you even though it might hurt you in in the personal sense mm. to get people's reactions from outside your your closest peer group even your general peer group, yeah. so you can see where your film is positioned from, from someone who's not involved.
3: Exactly. And these people, if you show it to a group of distributors, even, to have a look to potentially take it on, or show it to a group of sales companies, or just one-on-one to a distributor or a sales company, those people are seeing you know, thousands, of fi- hundreds, thousands of films per year. They really know the market. They're going to be able to tell pretty instantly how you stack up with what else is out there mm. as well. And maybe help you position it. You
2: know. Which, I mean, I guess if you were marketing any product, you would assess the marketplace, you mm. would, you know, mm. you, would take, you would take feedback on it, you would, uh, almost like as, um, as almost like a test run, isn't it? Rather than committing yourself to this, this, and that festival. Mm. It's like, where, where should I even be aiming yeah. for first?
3: Yeah, and I think you brought it up earlier, sort of when should you think about it and, and how. And, you know, I said in pre-production, but then when you're getting closer to knowing when you actually might have a cut of the film that's ready, To show people don't just submit to you know all the 20 festivals of the year that you think are good you know you have to think about your film because your film no film is going to have the same festival journey there's not a single film that's ever done exactly the same festival Mm. i think i mean maybe they'll start at the big two or three um so yeah it's, it's be surprised people don't look at the lineup from last year for a certain festival before they you know, if you've got a genre film, or, you know, in, in San Sebastian, they don't show a lot of straightforward documentaries. They do some with culinary or extreme sports for a while they did. But just a sort of traditionally told, sort of talking heads type documentary, they're not really interested in that. And yet, they get a lot of applications. And it's, people haven't sort of done their homework about, oh, this is the kind of film I have. Do they even play that kind of film?
2: Mm. So you're better, off at, you're better off hitting bullseye with a festival that's into what you do. Then submitting
3: a thousand darts, you know, um, flying all over okay. and bouncing off the wall.
2: So yeah. with that in mind, then, for the British filmmaker that might be listening into this, I mean, obviously, it, it, it goes a bit further than that, but for the majority of people mm. are going to be British. What's the, the landscape like for UK festivals? You've already mentioned mm. um, Edinburgh in relation to Calibre, and I think, yeah. I mean, that's great news, because I think, I think Edinburgh getting moved out of August has, has, found, has found it a struggle i guess to find its position and for it to get a a nice headline like the success of caliber means i guess it kind of puts it a bit more on the map again doesn't it as a festival
3: yeah i mean edinburgh has you know gone through a tough period i think Mm. even they would admit that Mm. for a few years and that was personally due to the date change and some funding changes and personnel changes um but i think this is the third year coming up that mark adams is the artistic director yeah and his team like diane henderson Um, Is I think, the lead programmer, and she's been there a long time, and they're choosing some really good films. It's a really nice festival to go at. It feels very supportive, especially of new British voices. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that feels like it's back in sort of steady ground again, and it's a really nice festival. You know, if you're playing, if you want to play at Edinburgh, you wouldn't then assume you could play at London. The only way you could do that is probably if you're a Scottish film. Is the only way you sort of have to choose one or the other, okay. Edinburgh or London? They don't like to, pr- you know, premiere the same British on the So, lo-
2: so party. in 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 the UK sense, for the layperson listening, London Film Festival is is the premier festival. Yes, and then sort of second tier below that is what is what is
3: Edinburgh, it? and people don't talk that much in the industry about Glasgow, which I think is a shame because Glasgow gets bigger audiences than Edinburgh.
2: Okay, that's interesting.
3: You know, a really great festival to uh, have a a premiere of a British film. Mm. Great audience response. Not a ton of industry up there, but if there are some people, you'll, Mm. you know, it's quite an intimate setting. Great cinemas, great team that runs it. I think they do a mini Bright Fest.
2: They I'm do, sure. yeah. doing Glasgow, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: so, um, yeah, Glasgow, and, you know, they have an interesting industry program that's getting sort of growing every year. So what
2: are the festivals are there in the UK that, that, that are sort of useful touchstones for people to consider mm. and look at, look at the programs for you?
3: Um, so, yeah, LFF, Edinburgh, Glasgow, uh, festivals like Cambridge, Leeds are really good. Um, Fright Fest for genre films is mm-hmm. outstanding, one of the world leaders. Um, there's obviously also Rain Dance, Mm-hmm. in London, which is a really big supporter of more sort of edgy, really low ultra low budget British filmmaking. And I think, you know, Elliot and his team are really supportive of new voices coming Indeed. in there. Um East End Film Festival's been growing and I think they're on a sort of slight date change this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um obviously Flair, which is the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. um sort of sister festival to the lff but also by the bfi um there's one british festival i haven't mentioned because it's in france oh dina Dinar, <laughs> which is just a fantastic festival that i think a lot of british filmmakers either don't know about or it's sort of like a well-kept secret in some ways just phenomenal local audiences they really love it they only show british films mm. They really love British films. Um, it's in Brittany, um, lovely place to go visit. Great networking, nice prize money, and you know a mm. available. And yeah, I think people sort of tend to forget about it sometimes. Mm. And I think it's such a great festival for British films.
2: So, in terms, of, so in that sense, the, 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 that the that's some of the selection. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we're not not exhaustive by any stretch of imagination. Um, what, what, can, what can people expect from being at, being at a festival? Like, you get you know, with your first feature film, you, you've got a screen in an you know, afternoon slot or whatever. What, what should you be... To, what, it, what Your strategy then really comes into play then, isn't it, in terms of in the short term? Because it's your opportunity, your moment in the sun.
3: Hmm. I think it's all about thinking before you get there. What, mm-hmm. what do you want out of it? Would you be happy just having a nice round of applause? And somebody patting you on the back and buying you a new glass of champagne after. That could be the dream for some people. Just to show your film to the audience is enough. Mm-hmm. Some people, of course, might want to get some press, some reviews, some social media buzz about their film. Some people might be looking to pick up a distributor or a sales company mm. at this festival. And I think, you know, or some people might just be wanting to be there to sort of set themselves up for their next project, even. Um, not from the first screening, you hope, of a, of a feature. But um, yeah, I think it kind of depends on the moment and the festival, what you're actually trying to get out of it. But I do think do think about it. Make some notes. Like, if you want press, ask the festival which press are going to be there. Send them an email. Um, you'd be shocked. You know, I go to so many festivals, and so even some really tiny ones. No, you know, I went to a tiny one in North Carolina. Screen International has gone to a small festival in North Carolina nobody's sent me a note saying like, hey, would you like to watch my film and do a story on it? Nobody.
2: That's really interesting because I think, I think that maybe for some, certainly when you're when you're sort of new, when you're mm. new and wet behind the ears, there's a bit of intimidation that once you've got in, say, mm. you don't want to upset anyone in case they take it off you kind of thing. So what that, that yeah. sounds like before a festival, there's a, there's, there is an opportunity for you to start your relationship with the festival, mm. never mind what they might give you in terms of engagement. And, and another obvious thing is, who's going to be there. So yeah. that, because they want you, I guess they want you to promote their festival. That's part of what your job
4: is. isn't yeah, it?
3: Yeah. But they also want to promote your film. Mm. So, I mean, I think, yeah, the first thing you should do is talk to the people at the festival. Somebody at that festival has championed your film enough mm. to invite it, yeah. to program it, find out which person that is. Make sure you meet them in, in person. Mm-hmm. They want to meet you. If they like your film. They want to meet you. They might want to have a beer or a coffee. They probably do you. People get scared. Oh, they're so busy. They've got time to see the filmmakers. You're the Mm. reason the festival exists. Otherwise, we just (laughs) sit in our sofa watching Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're the filmmaker. You're there. They want to meet you. Talk to the press person that is the press person for the overall festival. Mm -hmm. Of course, if it's a smaller festival, they can really help you get the word out. I mean, if you get into Toronto, you can't expect their press department to run the press for your film Mm. because they've got 300 films to be worrying about. They can help some. And, you know, on some maybe more experimental films that wouldn't necessarily hire a publicist Mm. of their own, the Toronto Press Office will assign you somebody in their team to help out. So they want to help you promote your film because that is promoting Mm. their festival. So, yeah, don't be afraid to talk to the festival. Don't be afraid to ask what buyers are going to be there. Don't be afraid to ask what press is going to be there. And, yeah, there is a way to annoy the press saying... You must come review my film and how mm. it's a masterpiece. No, but send a two line email saying, I heard you're going to be here. would love to hear, would love for you to come to my screening if you can. You don't have to be obnoxious about it. They <laughs> might not respond, but you can try.
2: So, from an administrative point of view, then, so should, should you be asking for waivers? Sh- should you expect mm. a screening fee?
3: Now, this is tricky and contentious. Is it, tricky? it is tricky. Why? Is um, that? Because at. Bigger festivals, you know, can it's not going to pay you a screening fee because you have the benefit of screening at Cannes and you kind of get that. The fee
2: is the marketing exposure you're getting. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Um, And, you know, you could probably insult them, you know, if somebody asked that. It's probably just not the done thing to even ask, you know, so just know. (laughs) But, uh, you know, and probably the same with some of the big ones like Berlin, Toronto. Um, but really they sort of the, maybe your B list of festivals, your C list of festivals, some of them might pay you 500 quid, a grand for a screening or two at their festival, mm. because it's maybe less prestigious event, but they want your film, and you know, if you've made a low budget film, and you screen at 50 festivals and get paid a grand mm. per festival, you know, this is suddenly, that's more money than when you would make on a theatrical deal usually for a very low budget sure. film so it can really start to impact your your bottom line if you're working in low budgets and i think it is tricky because you don't want to be taking advantage of you know if the festival's paying everybody else a fee and not you didn't ask you'll feel like left
4: so out. it is a
2: case of asking this isn't something that's going to get volunteered. yeah
3: i think usually you're going to have to ask um, That's interesting. Some festivals might That's just. a game of poker, there. isn't it? Really? Yeah. So it's like, who do you <laughs> press when and where? And I don't have the answer to that. And it's, I the best thing I think is look at the past couple of years of that festival's lineup. If you know any of those filmmakers, ask them if they pay them a fee, or <laughs> ask a sales company friend of yours, like, hey, do you know if this festival pays hmm. screening fee? Um. But yeah, it's tricky. And it, as for waivers um, for submissions, because film festival submissions are expensive. This year, I think. Berlin. It was 175 euros to submit. You know your one feature film. Was it really? Yes. And accreditation
2: doesn't cost that exactly. much.
3: Um, <laughs> you could just show up on the street and play it on the side of a bus and My be cheaper word. than that. Um, you know. So if you, even if you have the forethought to have, I'm going to put aside a grand or two for submission mm. fees. That can go quite quickly. Mm. Um, s- and s- some of the even the, you know some of the guys at Sundance say of course, ask us for a waiver code if you know us or you are an alumni of a short program or you're something. If you have a connection to a festival already, yeah, like you know the person quite well or you've been affiliated with them or you showed your short there or something like that, I think it's probably fair enough to ask very politely for a fee. But then I've also had people say, you know, festivals' economics are changing. Some of them are getting less you know, government money. They need those fees to exist. So if you start, if everybody's asking for a waiver, hmm. they can't survive, and they feel quite, ugh, you know, spirited that everybody wants a, a piece of them for free. So again, I don't have the perfect advice. I think it's a case by case basis. No, it's good
2: to know. I mean, it's, what you're saying is there are no rules. No, there's no rules. So, so you know, use your own judgment. Yeah. And, and I mean,
3: and also a strategist I know and publicist said, you know, you also have to think, you know, if you've asked for a waiver code you sort of lose your bargaining power sort of dro- drops mm. slightly like it's like they've done you a favor already before they've watched your film or they might program it and then if you're going back to them saying well i want to be screening on the friday night too they're like wait a minute this guy's asking for everything he already asked for a waiver i don't know how true that
2: is but no no, no that's honestly it's it, it, the fact that it's either or is 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 a, is quite is amazing, maybe. and
3: I've heard this, you know, from, you know, I forget which. There was one major festival that says, "Yes, of course, I ask," and one that said, "How dare anybody ask us?" <laughs> so it depends on the person and maybe their day that you're asking.
2: So, so you you've, you've um, if, if the filmmaker sort of has has gone through all this, they've they've maybe got the waiver, maybe get the fee, they've they've pre <laughs> a few uh, meetings, meetings. They've got emails gone out inviting press. Oh. But they're there. They're on the ground. They're they're running around. They're exciting. There's parties. There's free booze. Mm. What's what's the advice there in the sort of in in the headlights of the festival while you're there? Um,
3: I think it is a fun industry. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, we're not selling nuclear mm. warheads and you know um, making life or death medical conferences or something. Um, it's a film festival. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be there. Maybe to see some other films, to connect with other filmmakers, to meet some nice local people. Uh, but I think, you know, keep your aims in mind and the back of your mind. I mean, it is, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had. There's a lot of free booze mm. if you're in the right places. Um, I think, you know, don't sort of gauge, don't be the drunkest one in the room. You know, you don't want to be remembered. Yeah, sound I, and I think, Stuart, you know, I might have been there myself. <laughs> um but yeah you know you don't want to be remembered as the guy who fell over in a bush on the way home from the party you want to be remembered as that like that fun guy who we loved his film and didn't he do a great Q and A, and wasn't he charming at the dinner um, mm.
2: um oh i've seen that at festivals where the poor director or the writer has had a few too many shandies before the screening oh. probably to quell a few nerves i imagine i think it, and yeah. then yeah. And, you're like, and you, oh. you gotta
3: remember your audience has sat there and they've <laughs> been sober watching a film while you've been out at the bar <laughs> while the film's been running. So be careful.
2: Indeed. Yeah. What what so, so if we So the UK festivals this isn't so much of a problem, mm. but you you mentioned uh, you work with the British Council at the mm. start of the uh, podcast. Um so with that in mind, you know, what sort of what sort of money's available to a UK filmmaker to, to maybe aid them in yeah. terms of um festival either getting to festivals paying for festivals you know
4: yeah because
3: you you know even say you've already run up a lot of debt making your film yeah you could easily run up a lot more debt being on the circuit promoting it Um, not only if even if your trips are free let's say somebody's paying for your flight and your hotel you still got to take a taxi to the airport they're not paying for that you know on this end maybe they'll pick you up on that end Um, you buy yourself a few lunches because you missed the free lunch you could quite you know, add up quite a lot, also because you're away and you're not working.
4: Yeah.
3: I mean, you're working and that you're promoting your film, but nobody's usually paying you to promote your film. Not so whatever. To five, are you? Yeah, so whatever you're doing back home to pay the mortgage isn't being done. Mm. Um, so I think that's something to remember. Um, yeah, the British Council works with the BFI on a short film travel grant okay. fund which is really great uh, because, amazing, your short film has gotten into Sundance, but, ooh, you know, that flight's really expensive and they're not paying to fly you in. Maybe they'll give you a couple days' hotel once you're there. But, you know, this trip could cost you a grand or two Mm. if you're not careful. And you can apply to this BFI British Council Fund to help pay for your trip. It's usually not going to cover everything, but in Sundance, maybe it'll cover 700. And is
2: is it a fund you apply for? After, after the selection. After you get in, yeah. So it's not something you preempt and then say, right, I'll apply no, for Sundance. No, you can't
3: preempt just because there's too many yeah, submissions. Sure. Um, but there is, if, again, if you go to the British Council website, there's a list of about 65 festivals they work with. So that's great. Unfortunately, that is only shorts. So if you've made a feature,
2: yeah. the
3: thought process is the festival's going to pay for you to come in, which mm. isn't always true. Yeah. For example, South by Southwest doesn't pay for anybody to come in. So you're expected to fly yourself to Texas, wow. put yourself up, and mm. they'll give you a badge, I think, but mm-hmm. no hotel, no, not even probably a lot of free meals. Um, and every year directors get into South By and they ask British Council, can you help me with my trip? And we actually don't have a pot of funding for that, and neither does the BFI. And we all know that that is sort of a blind spot. It would be great if there is funding for that. Or, you know, sometimes it'll be the director's invited and not the producer. And my God, if a producer's been sweating for eight years to get a feature film made and then can't go to the world premiere, that's bad. Um, I think the BFI has an export fund that a sales company applies for. Right, So if you've got a sales company, they can apply to take your film to certain markets and they can sort of share that money with you to help cover your trip. Yeah. So that can be a nice thing. I think some of the regional or national funds... um, like agency. Northern Media
2: up in the North Yeah, or a Film thing.
3: Agency Wales, I think, has, or Film Kimru, I think they're called now. Um, I think
2: Screen they've York got some
4: York.
3: nice, yeah, or the Scottish, Creative Scotland, Scottish Screen, whichever one it's called that? I mean, just,
2: just thinking, we're throwing a lot of names up here, is there, it, within, say, the British Council or BFI, is there like a portal that can, you can get to where it's like funding for filmmakers, as it were, to then send you out to all the places or is this going to be I mean it doesn't matter if it is I mean um, is it, is uh, it at
3: the British s- Council website there is a sort of resources page that will list some of the agencies Oh, okay okay but you know also the British Council does not fund film production just to, to mention that but
2: um, I was going to say so what we, we, you've talked a, a mm. bit around what, what they do in general sense mm. and it looks like they work with the BFI but sort of what does the British I mean what is the British Council for to do for filmmakers help with festivals. So what's the role, what, what do you see, the, having worked with them, mm. what do you see their role as that the filmmaker should identify and think, right, okay, now I need to go and speak to the British Council.
3: Right, so British Council is a cultural relations organisation. Mm-hmm. I think employs about 8,000 people around the world. Just 8,000, wow. Yeah, just the 8,000. 150 countries they're working in Mm. with local offices. But not all film,
4: obviously. No.
3: So (laughs) film is about 0.001% of what they do. They do a lot of teaching English and giving exams in English. And then some of the money they make from teaching English, they then pump back into the arts. Okay, cool. Which is a lovely thing. Yeah. And some funding from the Foreign Office um, is helping the British Council. So for the film side, it's mostly about helping British... Filmmakers connect internationally,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, and that might mean collaborating with people in another country. Like we ran a uh, screenwriting workshop with British writers and Nigerian writers. That's okay, kind of cool, cool thing to do. Um, fostering filmmaking connections, you know, very much not a hey, let's let the Brits come teach you local people how to make films. Yeah, but sort of like what what can we learn from each other? What, um. But, you know, in some ways fostering, uh, there's a series of um, short documentaries made by Syrian refugees that the British Council worked with, with the Scottish Documentary Institute. Okay. Lots of really interesting programs, specifically with film festivals, you know, we're part of those, we help pay for those umbrella stands in Cannes and Berlin, you know, part of the We Are UK film brand. Um, Okay. We... Do this selector screening series where about 15 sets of programmers throughout the year come. You know, for instance, Edward Raindrop, the head of director's Fortnite, will come to London. We'll sit him in a room and show him 15 new British films.
4: And how does, that people how does a filmmaker get on that, on that so program? So they just go
3: to this website and there's a way to sign up for the email list. Okay. And also, there's a British Council has a directory of every British film made, basically. Wow. So if you're making a film, it doesn't matter if it's low budget, put it in there. You sort of self-submit. That's for shorts and features. And that's a great way to ha- for your film to have a sort of website presence mm. somewhere so people know it exists. Yeah. And we hope that programmers go through that list to see the new films every year. Sort of what's coming up, they can use that for tracking. So yeah, it's uh, they do a lot quite quietly. No, it's hard to pen down exactly every program because we do so many interesting programs. We might take a program of with the BFI of old Hitchcock films to Kiev.
2: Oh, okay, okay. And put a new score. On so it. very much about cultural and cross-cultural. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um cool.
3: But yeah, it's not about financing actual films. They more kick in when working with talent at sort of any stage but also when a film is finished to maybe help promote that internationally
2: Mm. well look wendy that's been a lot of food for thought about festivals and that was it also made it feel more opaque and more transparent all at the same time great that's which i think is is festivals in a nutshell in a way from my experience
3: it's, it's hard to know what to do but i would say that i think film festivals are so exciting especially in this Digital world, I think we need to get out there more, and meet people and have Q and A's and sit with an audience, even more so than a normal night at the cinema. Festivals mm. offer that human connection about film, so I don't think there, you know, there, there's no demise of the film festival. No, coming in my world.
2: No, they definitely feel they still mm. feel like a key to a film's distribution, yeah. just like they ever was. Yes. Well, I thank hope. you. Thank you, Stuart. The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv.